Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, the host with the mostest. And with me in the hot seat today is Kayla Waters. And here's a bit about Kayla. Kayla is first and foremost a mom to two most amazing daughters, and she juggles that with being an entrepreneur. She has ran a beauty business under her cosmetology license for eight years now, and in the last year, she started into her newest ventures. She found a passion for podcasting and decided to launch her first podcast, True Crime Exposed in July of 2021. She is now working on her own little podcasting network and launching her second show this month, which is March of 2022, which we're in now. She has grown and learned so much over the past year while following her dreams. Juggling mom life and work life is not easy, but it's totally worth it in her opinion. And without further ado, please welcome Kayla Waters, where we're going to talk about true crime plus being a mom and balancing it all. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Kayla. So let's talk about what really led you to doing a podcast on true crime. What does that look like? And what does it mean to you? So obviously, true crime is like a really large genre. It's super popular. But so I've always really been into it since a young age. I actually started watching Dateline with my grandma when I was like probably 10 years old, like too early. <laughs> so I um, I was doing that and then I went on and I just grew up loving it. So about a year ago is when I decided to do this true crime podcast. And I did that with um, my mom. She's my co-host. So she just kind of listens, joins in. She's also like obsessed with Dateline. But as I was kind of listening to it and like getting into it, I realized like that there's really a space to be in the true crime world and like make a difference, be really respectful, do things where you're like able to um, advocate for victims and whatnot. So that's kind of my goal with the true crime podcast, just to come out here, tell these stories and like advocate for victims. So at the end of every episode, we like highlight a organization that has to do with true crime, something that people can like donate to or get involved with. And we're advocating for victims and all of that. So it was just, it just means a lot to me to like help make a difference. I also interview with different family members. So a lot of my stories are like the true crime, you know, a lot of the true crime genre where you're just telling this victim story, but a lot of them are also where I'm actually talking with the family. So those have been like the best episodes for me because the family is always really grateful when they're wanting someone to work with someone to get their story out there. They're, you know, that they are needing someone to advocate for the person that they love that suffered, you know, this horrific like assault or whatnot. So that's been the best part about doing it. 
And how do you source out the people that you're going to talk to? Do you go out and seek out your guests or do they come to you or is it a mixture of both? So now it's kind of a mixture of both. It started out obviously as me seeking them out, especially when I didn't even have a podcast yet. So my very first episode, I actually do talk with someone because I was just thinking like, what can I do a little bit different? So in my very first episode, I actually interviewed a guy. He actually came to my house, which is so funny because he's from where I live in Idaho Falls, Idaho. And he was actually wrongfully convicted in the murder of a girl, Angie Dodge here in Idaho Falls. And he actually spent 20 years in prison before he was let out of prison. And even when he was let out, he was still considered like her murderer. They knew he didn't do it, but they kind of were able to let him out by like dropping a rape charge because his DNA didn't match. And then eventually, like years after he was let out, he was exonerated. He's like the first person in the United States to be exonerated using genetic genealogy. So that's where they use like the, um, like the family tree to tie DNA to, and then like narrow it down to a person. So they finally found Angie Dodge's murderer. And once they found him, they were able to exonerate Christopher Tapp is who I talked to. And so everyone was a little nervous about him coming over to my house. (laughs) But I was like, it's, it's fine. It's okay. He didn't do it. They were a little nervous because he had been in prison for 20 years, but he was like the sweetest person. And he was really, you know, the first one that kind of got me started on the podcasting. So in the beginning, I was doing stuff like that, like reaching out to people. I still do that. Like I'm, I still actively look for people to talk to, but I've also had people like reach out to me now too. So I really take every opportunity um, I can to help a family that's wanting to talk, especially where like we're growing the show right now. So I, I feel like I've had a good amount of reach out and I've tried to work really with everyone who's wanted that resource. Amazing. And that is actually incredible to just let him in your personal space and your home because it can't, that is kind of scary to be honest, because you never really know if it was true that he did it, but then he Mm -hmm. says that he didn't or et cetera. And then I know your inspiration came from watching Dateline with your Mm -hmm. grandmother. Did you ever think about reaching out to maybe the founders and creator of the show Dateline to maybe interview them since y'all are both within the same genre? I mean, obviously that would be amazing because I love them. But I have not because they're like so big and I'm so little, but you know, maybe one day that would, that's a dream, a goal. Hey, you know what I tell people? I did episode on a solo episode and it's called shoot your shot. Like you have nothing to lose. So you could always like just reach out. And if they're interested, they will respond back. And if not, they won't, but at least you can say that you try to really connect and totally. So I want to kind of switch gears a bit into like other TV shows like Law and Order, CSI and etc. Mm-hmm. What do you feel about those shows? What's funny is that I loved those shows when I was a teenager. Like I always was watching Law and Order Special Victims Unit, 
bones, all of that. And I still probably would enjoy them. I don't have a ton of time for like a lot of TV series anymore. So I was just thinking about it the other day, like, oh my gosh, I never watch those. I do think it gets like, obviously people just have to remember that that's like not real life. Things don't go that fast. Like people watch it and they think like, yeah, this is exactly how the justice system works and it's not. So things are definitely, definitely not perfect in the justice system, nor with like testing DNA and all of that stuff. So those shows kind of make it seem a little easier, I think, than it is but they are entertaining. Yes, yes, most definitely. They're entertainment. And, but you can really see some glimpse of things that do happen in real life. And then you could pull out what's real yeah. from what's fake. And then I know with you doing your show, how does that um, equate to you being a mother and really finding that balance? Because what people don't know is that podcasting does take a lot of work, Mm -hmm. especially if you are the only one running the show from editing, if you do editing, um, transcriptions, show notes, and et cetera. So what does an equal balance look, look like for you juggling your two daughters, plus your podcast, entrepreneurship, and of course, being a wife? Yeah, there is so much that goes into it. So with the true crime podcast, that is like so much work. Like you said, I don't think people realize how much work podcasting is because most of us are just starting this out as like a hobby, right? And so I do for my podcast, I just the true crime one, I at least do 20 hours a week. I do research. I do do the writing. I do the editing. I do the recording obviously, and all of that. So that is a lot of time on top of that. I do work 40 hours a week as a cosmetologist. Yeah. So I do do that. Um, I do it from home though. So that's good. I just do eyelash extensions, which seems so silly, but Women love their eyelash extensions. That's why I'm able to do it 40 hours a week. Like it, they are like live, live with lashes, die without lashes. They love them. So I do that 40 hours a week. And then I do that true crime podcast. And like, you know, you kind of read in my bio, like I'm doing a few other things and just trying to get more into the podcasting. So with balancing that with my family has been the hardest. I had my youngest daughter one year ago. Um, Her birthday was February 4th of 2021. So she's just one years old. So I kind of launched the podcast and everything when she was a little tiny baby and it has been very hard. So I've just had to find like habits that I can do to help. Like when I wake up early, I can get my work done. Like in the morning, I have to schedule things obviously around like taking my older daughter to dance and her dance competitions. But like, I love, you know what I'm doing because you can schedule that out. Like I think showing up for them, getting them to their stuff, being at their competitions, even though you like might've worked all day, right up until you go to the competition, like at least you're there, you're doing it. And then I try to be really mindful of my family at the night. So I try to get done working like in the evening. And I used to not be as good at this. I'm still working on it, but you know, I try to have like a cutoff, like 8 PM, 7 PM. And then it's like just family time, put my kids to bed at least like do the bath stuff, do a family activity, something like that. 
So I think there's like a lot of guilt that probably comes with working moms. And I think if you can do those little things every day, like just, you know, like making sure you're doing the little things, if it's at the night in the morning, just like connecting with your kids and your husband, like you said, as a wife too, I definitely have to make sure I connect with him every day too. And he's actually a huge help in helping me balance He's a self-contractor, so he works mostly in the summer. So like right now, he's like the dad of the year. My kids are obsessed with him because they're always with him. I like, it's funny. So yes, it is hard to balance, but it is definitely doable if you just are like mindful of it, I think. Yes, and I definitely want to commend you because it definitely takes a lot juggling between the different hats that you wear, but also finding time to really practice self-care while you're doing Mm -hmm. all the other things it's also a vital component to weave into your day your daily activities because if you don't find a balance for you you could easily burn out and if you burn out you're not going to be able to be that supportive wife the mother or the podcaster really you know do things that make you feel happy because you're so tired and That's the beauty about podcasting because podcasting, you could Zoom with people all over the world. Some people do face-to-face podcasting, which is Mm -hmm. the interview styles, which you did, of course, with your first guest. And then other people Mm -hmm. do it um, virtually because then they could build in different um, components and have that flexibility for their schedule. So I think that's commendable as well. And I kind of want to dive back into uh, your podcast here, Kayla, now that we know how you juggle between all areas of your life plus (laughs) podcasting. So um, with your true crime podcast, what is one of the most memorable um, segments that you had and why? So one of my most memorable and like one that's close close to my heart still is the story of Stephen Augustine. So Stephen is this young man from New York. He's a dad and he was living in Kingston, New York, and he was walking home from work when he actually got robbed and he got beat up and he ended up having like sunken skull syndrome from being beat up. So his skull like shattered. Yes. And it was like the back of his skull was shattered, like his cheekbones, everything. And so his, you know, his mom is who talked to me. I actually did an interview with her. She came on, I added her interview, like throughout Steven's story that I told. And what's really sad about it is he did live for a couple years, but like on a ventilator, he wasn't there. He wasn't himself. And then he ended up dying. And he, the person who did this to him before he had died, he ended up being charged with just assault, like a assault in like the third degree or something ridiculous. And he only spent three months in prison. So now that Steven has passed away, his mom's really advocating for this guy to be charged with murder or at least manslaughter because he is the reason that Steven died. He beat him up. But there's just some issues with the police department there. Unfortunately, we know there can be corruption everywhere. So the guy that actually did do this to Steven, he is, it, it's very likely and pretty much proven that he is an informant for the police. And 
they have come out and said that he was an informant before. They won't say if he was at the time of Stephen's murder, but because he was an informant, he told the police that he only hit Stephen once. And because he only hit him once, the district attorney right now says that if it was only one hit, they can't charge him in the death of Stephen, which is just very confusing. But it seems to me like if you hit someone, you should like and they die, you still can be charged with manslaughter. It doesn't matter if it's one hit or 20 hits. If this person dies from that, that's your fault. So she's really advocating for that right now. That was a very memorable for me to talk to her. She is like a sweetheart. I'm still in contact with his mom. She's always advocating for him. And so I'm just like really hoping she kind of gets, you know, the justice that she wants one day. And my facial expression, you guys can have seen it, but when she, whenever Kayla said he only got hit once, I'm like, really? Like, make mm-hmm. it make sense because right. I'm, I'm like, for boxers, um, people, whether they are um, professional boxers or they do it in Ivy League or whatnot, their hands are considered deadly weapons. So if they Mm -hmm. were to get in a fight, they would be, you know, going to jail because now their hands are being used as a deadly weapon or whatnot. So they aren't supposed to be fighting because they know different pressure points and different tactics and how to hit somebody that could actually kill that individual. So like if a boxer could, you know, be faced with jail time up until all um, murder charges and, and whatnot, why can't this guy who did that? And I actually did see um, a picture that you had of Steven whenever I was on your Instagram, where mm-hmm. I think it was the left or right side of his head was like um, bashed in and it was like sunken in. And I'm like, wow, like, it was kind of hard to digest. And I know he was with, was he with his sons at the time? He wasn't with his sons, like at the time that he was, you know, killed. I think he shared them with his son's mom. So I think they were with their mom at that time, but like he was very close to them. His mom lived right down the road. Like it even took police like two hours to notify his mom and she lived minutes away. It was, it's just like not, it. it's, it's a case where justice was definitely not served and not like the whole thing was just not handled right. Wow. And we see stories of this time and time again, um, whether it's between race on race crime or, you know, different races, different injustices within the um, police systems and et cetera. And, you know, politics sometimes can be um, involved, but what you're doing with your podcast, it's like you're bridging the gap to really talk about all things and really shedding light on different stories that may get overlooked or swept under the rug. So you're really bringing that information to the forefront, as well as having some type of accountability to take the time to do the research. And then you also reach out to some of those individuals or have them share their experiences because no one can know how those individuals are feeling after they lost a a loved one or if they've been wrongfully um, accused of a crime that they didn't commit or etc so that's kind of a hard subject to talk about and especially if someone may be an empath they may take on that and you know carry that weight 
but what you're doing is, you know, giving people a little bit of hope. Yeah. Thanks. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. I hope, you know, I, I love talking with the families cause that is what they want. And, you know, not all families may want that, but the ones that do want it, it's like, it's just nice to give them a resource to get their stories out there and feel like they're being heard by someone, especially if they have, like you said, like received an injustice because you know, you got to bring that to the forefront. Someone has to say something about it. So, yeah, it's like the um, saying, if you see something, speak up because um, closed mouths don't get fed. And as we wind down, Kayla, I want you to leave the listeners as well as the viewers with um, two gems. So I would like those gems to be resources so people could help, you know, bring those true crime stories to you. Or you mentioned in the beginning, some of the groups that advocate for these things where donations could be made, because I think that will definitely be worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. So if you guys have any stories that you feel like, you know, need more attention brought to them, or you want to talk with me about, you know, someone that you know, that was a victim or anything like that, you can email me at truecrimeexposed at gmail.com. And you can also fill out a form on our website, www.truecrimeexposed.com. And then of course, we're on all social media sites. So at this point, you can reach out to me there. I do try to answer messages there as well when I receive them. And then, yeah, there are so many organizations that people can become a part of. So even just like looking in their state or their country or, you know, wherever they may be to look for stuff we've covered. Um, like I said, we highlight at the end. So we've covered organizations from like a bunch of different states all the way through like We've gone to Australia. There's some in England we've covered, all of that. So one really good one that I like, and it kind of has to do with that story I talked about earlier, um, the wrongful conviction story where he came to my house and he talked about that. There's um, a cold case foundation. It's in Idaho Falls, at least not Idaho Falls. It's in Idaho, like this cold case team. They do a lot for cold cases. There's also like nationwide cold case foundations. And I think a lot of times we don't think of these people as victims, but they are just like secondary victims to this crime when these crimes, when they lose, you know, their life spending it wrongfully in prison. So I always think that's a good organization that you can look for to get involved with or just donate. But yeah, we, we have a lot of those at the end of all our episodes. So if you ever need, you know, a new organization you want to get involved with, we have one at the end of every episode. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kayla. One thing I would encourage you to do if you haven't done it already is maybe you could compile all the different organizations in one document, like a PDF, and Mm -hmm. um, send that out as a tool and resource. And I know you mentioned they could connect with you on all social media at, is it True Crime Exposed? Yeah, it's a little different on all of them because our name's so long, it like didn't quite fit with everything. So on Instagram, it's True Crime X Pod, E X Pod. And then on TikTok, it's True Crime Exposed Podcast. On Twitter, it's True Crime Exposed. And then on Facebook, obviously, just search True Crime Exposed. And what's your website? Do you have a website where we could just share the website and it'll link them to all the various places? Yes. Um, so I have like a, on those social media sites, I do have like a link in my bio that will link them to like my different socials. 
are um, like different interviews I've been on and then also like my website, but my main website is www.truecrimeexposed. Oh, I think it's exposed. Let me think it's exposed podcast. I might've said it wrong earlier. It's www.truecrimeexposedpodcast.com. Oh, okay. Amazing. And all of your information will be in the show notes. So listeners and viewers, I'll make sure you have all of Kayla Waters information. Once again, we unpack true crime exposed and really um, showcasing how Kayla juggles her mom life plus um, being a wife and an entrepreneur. So until we chat next time, I like to sign out with peace, love, and lots of blessings. Subscribe to the podcast and share with your family members and friends. We're on 40 plus platforms and follow us on YouTube at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp for all things video content. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another segment of Gems Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-S at gmail.com where your brand your swag your services can be here on gems podcast